I love Halloween, it's my favorite holiday. But every year around that time, you always hear real-life Halloween horror stories, ones that made the day tragic rather than fun for those involved. Let's talk about one of those cases, a case that's gone unsolved for over 60 years. This is the disappearance of Stephen Dahman. Stephen Craig Dahman was born on December 15, 1952 in Iowa to father Jerry and mother Marilyn. When Stephen was still very young, his family moved to the small town of East Meadow, New York, because his father, who was in the Air Force, was stationed there. Jerry Dahman worked at the Mitchell Air Force Base in nearby Uniondale, I don't think it's still there anymore. On the afternoon of October 31, 1955, Marilyn Dahman took two-and-a-half-year-old Stephen and his seven-month-old sister, Pamela, to Food Fair Market, about a block and a half away from their house. There's conflicting information out there about whether Marilyn took her kids to a bakery or a supermarket. Some sources said she was buying a loaf of bread, which can be bought at either of these places. Food Fair's official website doesn't specify which one it is, but it appears to be more of a grocery store. So I'm not 100% sure, but I think you get the idea. The Damons arrived at Food Fair just before 2.30 p.m. Marilyn Dahman left the kids outside the store and told Stephen to look after his baby sister. Stephen stood by his sister's carriage, holding a bag of jelly beans. His mother was inside the store for ten minutes. When she came out, both her kids were gone. I know it seems unusual to leave the small children outside a store, at least to a lot of us in modern times. It was apparently common practice at the time, but we will talk more about it later. When Marilyn didn't see her children outside the store, she went back home, thinking Stephen might have pushed Pamela's carriage back there but she didn't see them. At some point, Pamela's carriage was found by a family friend about 300 feet away from the store. Pamela was inside, unharmed, but there was no sign of Stephen. I'm not 100% sure when Pamela was found, specifically, if it happened before or after Marilyn contacted the police. But she did call them pretty quickly, and the search for Stephen began. More than 5,000 people, both police officers and citizens, turned up to look for Stephen. At first, police believed Stephen may have been kidnapped by a mother whose child had died and who was looking to replace that child. They looked at lists of children who had recently died, as well as sex deviates in the area, but neither of these avenues lead anywhere. At 6.30 p.m. on November 1st, 28 hours after the search began, police called it off and pronounced Stephen's disappearance as a kidnapping. About a month later, a college student wrote a ransom note to the Dahman family, demanding money in exchange for Stephen. They initially asked for $3,000, then wrote two more letters asking for $10,000 and $14,000, respectively. Jerry Dahman thought it was a hoax from the start, the family had received several letters since Stephen's disappearance, letters that I assume were similar in nature. They'd been turned over to police and investigated, but all lead to dead ends. Around this time, the Dammons made a public plea to Stephen's kidnappers, asking that they make sure to give Stephen his vitamins and medicine since he suffered from anemia. After Stephen's disappearance, the family moved back to Iowa. Marilyn and Jerry divorced in 1957. Jerry reportedly blamed his ex-wife for their son's disappearance, though he later said the disappearance had nothing to do with the divorce, that they'd been having problems for a while and that his wife had a temperament. Marilyn was granted divorce on the grounds of cruelty, and she got custody of Pamela. Over the years, there have been a few reported sightings of Stephen, or at least boys who looked like him. None of these sightings have lead anywhere. In February 1957, 
a couple of years after Stephen's disappearance, the body of a young boy was found in Philadelphia. He remains unidentified to this day in one of the city's oldest cold cases, you might know him as the boy in the box. There has been speculation that the boy in the box was Stephen Dahman. He was about the same age, height and weight, and there was evidence that he was malnourished and might have been abused. Had someone kidnapped Stephen, abused him and then killed him and left his body in Philadelphia, less than a three-hour drive from East Meadow? But there were other details that didn't add up. Stephen had a fracture on his arm at one point that later healed, and the boy in the box had no signs of this fracture. Their footprints didn't match either. A match was officially ruled out via DNA in 2003. So now let's talk about John Robert Barnes. Barnes was born on August 18, 1955 in Pensacola, Florida, or so he was told. Growing up, he always felt like the black sheep of the family and never thought he looked like any of them. Relatives would tell him he looked like other family members, but never showed him pictures to compare. As his mother lay on her deathbed, she confessed something to him. He's never specified exactly what, but this was apparently what made him think she wasn't his biological mother. This deathbed confession began his search to see who his real parents might be. He searched archives of missing children and, when he found photographs of the Dahman family in 2009, he noticed a resemblance. Barnes, who lived in Michigan, contacted Stephen's sister, Pamela. The family was hopeful that Barnes really was Stephen, and Pamela agreed to a DNA test. A private test gave a possibility of a match. After this, a more definitive test was ordered, I assume by law enforcement, who Barnes had been in contact with about the situation earlier that year. Barnes's claim was made public in June 2009, and members of the Dahlman family even agreed they looked alike. Barnes had a scar along the right side of his face, and Stephen had a scar under his chin. Barnes also reportedly had a mole on the back of his right calf, just like Stephen. Though Stephen's mole was actually a birthmark that looked like a mole. Barnes was 99% convinced that he was really Stephen Dahman, and that the family search had come to an end. However, on June 18, 2009, the test results were announced, and it was confirmed that John Barnes was not Stephen Dahman. There has been some speculation about Barnes after all this. Some people think he's not necessarily a kidnapped or missing child, but the product of an affair, his mom really was his mom, but his dad wasn't really his dad and might have even thought John was his son. His father has been publicly adamant that he doesn't believe his son's claims and says he is his biological father. Whatever happened with John Barnes and his family, I hope he finds some answers and some peace, if he hasn't already. But what happened to Stephen Dahman? Where did he go in those 10 minutes while his mom was in the store, and where is he now? Let's talk about theories. The first theory is that he wandered off. Some people think he might have pushed Pamela's carriage somewhere, then got distracted and wandered off. However, I don't think he could have pushed it 300 feet, and it was found 300 feet away from the store. But he easily could have wandered off and accidentally been hurt or killed. Since he was so young, there are plenty of ways this could have happened, falling in a manhole, wandering into traffic, or maybe ending up in a pond or well. But if he did wander off, where is his body and why has it never been found? The next theory is that the police were right and Stephen was kidnapped. In fact, his disappearance is still classified as a non-family abduction. It is a little strange that someone would take Stephen and leave his sister, but maybe someone couldn't physically handle both children or, for whatever reason, only wanted one. There has been speculation that he was sold into an illegal adoption ring. If this is true, 
he could still be out there and not know who he is or even suspect that he's a missing person. The next theory is going to address the elephant in the room. The theory I thought about when I first heard this case, the one that's often true in these circumstances, but the one people don't like bringing up. Did Stephen's mother have something to do with his disappearance? Marilyn Dahman has been criticized quite a bit online for leaving both her children outside the store. It was pretty commonplace back then, from everything I could find. Joan Bookbinder lives in East Meadow and was also a young mother at the time Stephen disappeared. She claims at that time, mothers left children outside stores while they shopped all the time, and there would always be carriages lined up outside stories. Nobody ever thought about it since child abduction was so rare, though this changed drastically after Stephen's disappearance. Marilyn Dahman later said there were a few other carriages outside the store along with Pamela's on the day Stephen disappeared. She'd done this many times before and called it as common to a housewife as cooking eggs for breakfast. If there are no concerns of kidnapping, it's not too much of a stretch to understanding leaving a baby carriage outside a shop. But what about an almost three-year-old? People who are critical of Marilyn Dahman have noted it's still unsafe to leave a toddler outside like this since there are so many ways they could put themselves in danger. Reddit user Gomps stated, Times have changed but two-year-olds haven't. You turn your back on them for a second and they are eating pennies or sticking their fingers in light sockets. There is something else I noticed that might be an inconsistency. Marilyn Dahman said at one point that Stephen couldn't have moved Pamela's carriage by himself. But right after she came out of the store and noticed her kids were missing, she went back home because she thought Stephen may have pushed the carriage back. Maybe she just wasn't thinking clearly in a moment of panic. I've also seen a few people say Marilyn waited a while before reporting Stephen missing, but I don't think that's accurate. The search for Stephen ended after 28 hours at 6.30 p.m. November 1st, and Stephen went missing around 2.30 p.m. October 31st. That means Marilyn would have had to contact police within less than an hour of Stephen's disappearance. There's a video online of an interview with a woman who claims to have been a neighbor of the Dammons before Stephen's disappearance. According to this woman, Stephen screamed and cried a lot and was made to wash his own diaper when he soiled it. She also alleged physical abuse. Her husband reported all this to police, but was essentially told to mind his own business. After Stephen's disappearance, this woman was in the Dahman house and claimed to smell something strange. She also believes Stephen might be buried under a parkway that was built after his disappearance. I have no way of verifying this woman's claims, but you can watch the video for yourself here. It is kind of hard to hear, but it helps if you wear headphones. A few people have even speculated that Stephen and Pamela never went into the store and didn't know of any witness statements that said they saw them there. The woman in the video above says she saw them there but that can't be verified. A couple of witnesses said they saw a little boy who looked like Stephen, but was it really him? Someone on a WebSleuth thread about the case claimed they lived next door to the Dammons at the time and that there were rumors that the case wasn't a genuine kidnapping. I assume they mean one of the parents had something to do with it. There are also interviews with people who lived in East Meadow at the time who say there were rumors Stephen had been kidnapped and killed by someone he knew. I want to make it clear that I am not accusing anyone of anything. This is all speculation, and everyone is innocent until proven guilty. The last theory isn't really a theory, but speculation that Stephen's disappearance was related to the case of Peter Weinberger. Peter was just one month old when he was kidnapped from his home in Westbury, New York, about five miles away from East Meadow, on July 4, 1956. 
His mother put him in a carriage on the front porch and went back inside while he slept. She came back a few minutes later to find him gone and the ransom note in his place. On August 23, a truck driver named Angelo La Marca was arrested for the crime. He had kidnapped baby Peter for a ransom in the hopes the money could pay off some of his many debts. He claimed to have panicked after the case started getting media attention and abandoned the baby in bushes just off a highway. Peter's remains were later found in a similar area. La Marca was tried and convicted of kidnapping and murder later that year. He was sentenced to death and executed in 1958. There are some superficial similarities between this case and Stephen Dahman's. They were both young boys who didn't live too far from each other and disappeared within a year of each other. Interestingly, they also both disappeared on holidays, Peter disappeared on Independence Day and Stephen disappeared on Halloween. But in most other aspects, they seem pretty different, or at least there's not much hard evidence that they were connected. Stephen Craig Dahman was last seen on October 31, 1955 in East Meadow, New York. His disappearance is classified as a non-family abduction. Stephen is a white male who was, at the time of his disappearance, 3 feet 2 inches tall 32 pounds. He was last seen wearing blue overalls, a blue polo shirt, a red sweater with blue and white stripes and brown shoes. He has a scar under his chin and a birthmark resembling a mole on back of his left calf. Note, the poster above says the mole was on his left calf. The Charlie Project says it was his right calf. I don't know which one is accurate, he has a healed fracture on his left arm. At the time of his disappearance, he was undergoing treatment for a growth on his kidney and walked with his toes turned out. He sometimes went by the nickname Stevie. If he were alive today, he would be 67 years old. This case has been called the Madeline McCann case of its day, so it must have been pretty well known when it first happened. There's also the parallel of parents coming under fire for letting their children out of their sight. There aren't as many details out there on this case as I would have liked, but that's probably because it's so old. I have no idea what the odds are of this case being solved, it seems hopeless because it happened so long ago, but cold cases are solved all the time. Hello.